Welcome to God in the Ordinary, a podcast to help you reveal God to others during your everyday. Special guests share their stories with songwriter and author Sharon Tedford. My guest today helps companies stay on mission so they can continue to create a legacy of kingdom impact. She guides businesses as they influence countless lives for eternity. Her desire is to see God glorified globally. My guest, founder of On Mission, Becca Spradlin. I'm so excited to share with you today, Becca Spradlin. Thanks so much for joining us, Becca. Tell us about yourself and also where you are, because we have guests from everywhere. Well, it is a pleasure to be with you, Sharon. I am based in the state of Pennsylvania in a town in central Pennsylvania called Lancaster or Lancaster, if you're from here. Thank you so much. I have a great deal of excitement and anticipation about what you're going to share with our listeners today because I know it's going to be good. So before we get right into the meat of things, our listeners are very used to us doing a reflection on Isaiah 61. So would you share with us your thoughts, please? Isaiah 61 opens with a powerful charge for us. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. The passage then continues by describing all the ways that Christ brings light into every dark corner of our world. And as followers of Christ, we too have been anointed to proclaim good news to the poor, to be agents of reconciliation in a world saturated with brokenness and poverty. Our poverty is complex and multidimensional. It is not only material, but personal, dealing with our own identity and sense of self. It's also relational and spiritual, but God in his perfect plan has chosen his bride, the church, to be his hands and feet to combat this poverty with the truth. Equipped with the spirit of God and an array of gifts, which are exponentially amplified when used in concert, his followers continue in the same task articulated at the end of the chapter to allow God to work through us to make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. And as his followers, our biggest challenge day to day is to stay on task in order to move toward this vision of all nations praising God. Other passages throughout scripture describe this mission and how we can, as followers of Christ, work to accomplish the vision. The Great Commission articulated in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 to 20 states, We are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. In our lives, God has given us each positions, relationships, as well as other giftings to steward in ways that advance his kingdom. And as we abide in him, praying and waiting with expectation and open eyes, God will reveal opportunities to connect us with others, to thoughtfully encourage those around us toward Christ from wherever they are. And God's promise to us is this, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He is with us and he has equipped us with his spirit and presence to do the work 
And we must be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord our labor is not in vain. Thank you, Becca, for sharing that. It never ceases to amaze me how many different things are being said by our guests about one passage of Scripture. That really is the Word of God being living and active. So you said that our poverty is complex and multidimensional. I love that phrase, but what do you mean by it? And where do you see evidence of that? Absolutely. So this certainly comes out of my own vocational experience in the field of poverty alleviation and learning about the four domains of poverty and realizing that often those from the minority world or the Western world, we think of poverty as material. And so when we see people without material things, we want to give material things to alleviate poverty. But the more you dig into it, especially into holistic development and poverty alleviation, you realize that we are all poor and broken in some way. And this sense of poverty of just even internally, personally, within our own identity. Um, poverty can absolutely be personal. It can be relational if you don't have strong relationships with others within your community and absolutely spiritual as well. Um, we all have brokenness and a need for reconciliation between us and our relationship with God. So when we start to think about going into this conversation, maybe you think of poverty alleviation in one way, but I hope coming out of it, we all realize that we are all part of poverty alleviation or said another way reconciliation in the world as followers of Christ and I think that's what stood out to me so much from the passage given my background and desire to serve the poor but realizing we're all poor and everyone our neighbors those we work with are poor and we have the opportunity to be light and be love and be Christ's hands and feet to them I love how you use that phrase, being an agent of reconciliation. I'm going to add that to my vocabulary. I think that says a lot. So you just mentioned a little bit about your background that led you to this, but perhaps you could tell us a bit more about that. Was there ever a specific moment that you realized that you are anointed to be an agent of reconciliation? And how did that grow into where you are today? Yes. Well, my path or the path I should say the Lord has led me on is one that I think only he could design. And all the way back in university, I was studying business and I had internships in consulting and I really liked that field. And then I was about 20 and I had the opportunity to lead a team of other college students to go on a missions trip to Haiti. And when we were there, I saw poverty unlike anything I've seen. And this was, of course, material poverty and also a sense of relational poverty, which I don't think I truly had the vocabulary for at that time. And after that trip, I said, I want to apply my business skills to economic development. And as the Lord led me through different career paths, one being Hope International that does excellent work in the microfinance space, but pairs it with sharing the gospel. And so that was my first real work experience with holistic poverty alleviation, addressing the spiritual as well as the personal, relational, and material dimensions of poverty. And so the Lord just really led me through all of that. And really not just applying that through the work I do, but even in, in the neighborhood where we live. 
That's interesting that something that started off as maybe finance and economics has led you to something that is now a heart connection. You wouldn't normally put those two things together necessarily, would you? I love how you used what God gave you as a beginning that helped you make this journey to where you are today. You just said a lot of yes, didn't you? Yes. And really, it was only the Lord's leading. And even now I do consulting with nonprofits, with businesses, and trying to help people understand that through our work, we have the opportunity to advance the kingdom. And there's things that we can do to really refine and advance the kingdom of God through our work. And there's strategies we can take to really protect that and and value that and prioritize that in the nonprofit space or in the for-profit space as well. That's what we're all about here, helping people to see that. I want to take another phrase that you used in your reflection that, again, I thought was just lovely. I loved it when you said that our gifts are more powerful when used in concert. So to continue that beautiful analogy, I want to say, how do you see that orchestra of abilities playing out for the kingdom in the business world? I think going back to the passage, it talked about he... Christ is saying, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, comfort all who mourn, joy instead of mourning. And all of these things, I was just reminded of just the body of Christ and, and other scripture around that, where we all play a role. We all have a different part of the body because this kind of being agents of reconciliation, there's not one way to do it. And when we go out to our workplace, whether we are the business leader or frontline employee, we have the opportunity to be Christ to someone. It's as simple as pausing to pray before having that conversation or to actually let the Spirit of God speak through you or to speak a word of encouragement um, or authentically ask people how they're doing and just be that love and that light with those that, that we interact with day to day. And depending on your position, you might have authority over more people or fewer people, but we still all have a role to play. Yeah, that's important to remember that whether you have authority over people or not doesn't mean that you don't have a role to play. There's lots of things that we can do in our day-to-day lives, in our business world, if you're in business, to behave as believers and respond as believers as well. I'd like to pick up on that a little bit. You said as well that, you know, we need to pray and wait on God with open eyes. Yes. Maybe some of our (laughs) listeners don't understand. How do you pray and listen with open eyes? How do you know when it's God that inviting you to move forwards with him in a particular moment or to pray for someone or to pray quietly. How can we get through that jungle of thoughts? You know, I'll I'll share a story because to me, it just reminds me of how God speaks and works even through someone like me, just an average person. I previously lived in the Washington, D.C. area, and I took the bus every day to work. And on the bus, I would read, and I happened to be reading a book uh, about knowing God, and it had the word God on the front cover in very large font. I didn't even think about that, but I'm holding that book in my hand. And one day I missed the bus. And so I decided to sprint to the next bus stop. And so I'm running, running to this next bus stop. I didn't make it. And I'm at a bus stop where I'm not normally there. And so I just kind of pull out my book and I start reading it. And a gentleman kind of comes into the bus stop. And the culture of the DC bus stops is that we don't really talk with each other. So I'm reading my book and he turns to me and not only does he break the science, but he says, 
oh, are you a Christian? So his first sentence to me is, are you a Christian? And I'm stunned because he's breaking the silence. And also he asked such a very bold question. And I said, I am. And then my next thought was, are you a Christian? He's like, no, but I used to be. And this preceded a relationship with that person over months. And to your question about how do we pray with open eyes, I'd been praying through the scripture about opportunities and how uh, in the New Testament, it's like pray for opportunities and wait with expectation. And even in that season of life, I wouldn't say that I was having daily quiet times or in this place of where I felt very deep in my own faith. But I happened to be praying that verse maybe once or twice. And then the Lord has an event like this. And then we proceed to get on the bus together and continue conversing. And you never know how God wants you to be a touch point in somebody's story. And we absolutely see how in that person's story, God wanted us, you know, our paths to intersect. And they absolutely did. So it's just being available to not miss those chances, to not say, oh, I am a Christian and cut the conversation off and miss out on months of a relationship with someone. He happened to be new to the the community. He had only been in the D.C. area three weeks. It was just an amazing opportunity of how God works in very everyday circumstances, like taking the bus. (laughs) Taking the bus and sprinting for the next bus stop. I'm not sure I'd have done that much, but (laughs) I'm glad that you did. (laughs) You know, you were indeed, as you just said, a touch point for a relationship that grew. And that was a very ordinary thing to do, taking the bus. And also reading a book on the bus is pretty ordinary. But you stepped beyond your comfort zone and allowed God to lead you in the next thing outside of your business world even you know just in the ordinary every day so that's a great story and definitely a lesson for me to learn respond to God's moment yes you're listening to God in the Ordinary with me Sharon Tedford and my guest Becca Spradlin So, Becca, we've talked a little bit about the fact that you are in an organisation and we haven't really talked about it. So would you share with us what On Mission does and who you are and who you reach? So On Mission is a modest consulting practice that really exists to support leaders, Christian leaders, whether they're leaders in the nonprofit space or leaders in the for-profit space, in articulating what I like to call their eternal impact. So we often think in the nonprofit space, you know, what's the the impact of your work? And in the business space, we think like, what's the return on investment? But I wanted to kind of think through the theme between both of them is what is the eternal impact that God is calling your organization to lean into? You know, we talked about individually how we can be touch points in other people's lives, but what about organizationally? And I think in the business space, it's often thought like, okay, be profitable, which is wonderful, and then give money away. And that's how we can advance the kingdom of God. And that is absolutely one way of doing it. But I get really inspired by stories of business leaders who see potential for eternal impact, not just from where they're giving their money to, to really wonderful nonprofits and ministries, but trying to see the kingdom of God come within their businesses and to really define what is possible about their corporate culture that could be part of encouraging someone towards Christ. 
but just encouraging that thought, having that conversation to see their workplace and their position of influence, whether they're at the top of the organization or, or somewhere else, using that position of influence to advance the kingdom of God some way. That's so important and maybe something that we do occasionally miss because we certainly in businesses think about our impact, but how often do we think about our eternal impact? So reading through some of your stuff, Becca, I've been really intrigued by your phrase, mission drift. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us about what that means and how we can not be drifters? <laughs> Absolutely. And and mission drift is a, I'll say it's a common phrase. So when I was working in microfinance, we often talked about, has the microfinance industry drifted off mission by doing certain things or things like that? So any socially focused uh, organizations or even just businesses, like are we off mission here? Are we losing focus? But really the core of the work I'm trying to do and encourage Christians to do is think through what I like to call the capital M mission, which is that eternal impact, that mission to advance the kingdom of God. It may not be written in your mission statement, but that reason behind the work that you do, you know, entrepreneurs and leaders uh, in the nonprofit space, you pour hours and hours into your work. What is the eternal impact of that? And what is that core kingdom kind of mission within it? And so first of all, I think when you think about mission drift, you will certainly drift from something that is not defined. So if you haven't even had the brain space or the mind space to articulate, what is our core kingdom eternal impact that we are going for? Just simply taking the time to do that is absolutely the first step. And when you think about applying business kind of concepts and practices to, to even our family, like we have a family mission and vision and values too, that we're constantly kind of refining and tweaking, but thinking through what what is that guiding kind of principle that really helps you make decisions? Like, is this helping with the mission or not helping with the mission? So once you have it defined, then you think of ways to like protect and operate around it to really reinforce and focus on that and advance that through your kind of everyday, everyday operations at the workplace or everyday rhythms within your family setting. So that would be the core of it. Certainly start by defining it. That's really helpful. And actually, I would like to take a little sideways step because you've just said very helpfully that you still have a, a mission within your family. How do you shift all of these principles to help you teach your children to follow God's call in their lives to have this capital M mission? Yes, and that's a great question. I would say we are absolutely still learning this. So my husband and I have three wonderful daughters ranging in age from five and a half to three to seven months so we are learning this every day. And our mission as a family is to extend the love of Christ first to our family, then to our community and to the world. And so it's not a very maybe unique from your church kind of a mission statement, but it really helps us know we prioritize investing and discipling our family and engaging them so that they see how we you know, want to operate and communicate within our community and our neighborhood. And globally is something we are blessed to be able to do a lot through the work that we do. Uh, it starts there. And I really think just praying together, even just praying the same prayers over and over again, I see my daughters remembering those prayers and they're starting to see their prayers be answered. And that just builds their faith so much. It's been so encouraging to me as the parent. 
that whole pressing in, keep repeating the same thing over and over again. We say that in the parenting world all the time, don't we? You can't just say, please tidy your room once. You'd probably be saying that for a few years until they learn to do that themselves, for themselves. And then everything else follows the same way that God says that to me too. He reminds me over and over again to follow his voice when I haven't particularly been listening. Yes. (laughs) And I just think it's so important, this part about family, those of us who have the calling of being parents in this season. Scripture is very clear that God is about bringing the nations to him, but also the generations. And so as we focus on our work and all these other important things in life, I think it's just really important to be investing in the next generation um, and thinking through how the kingdom of God comes and moves and grows through the generations. Yes, I completely agree. You said that you are reaching your local community for Jesus in his name. That's very young children. How are you helping them to do that at such a young age? Prayer is absolutely part of it. I think praying for the community is a great start. I don't know if you're familiar with like Cubes. They're these visual ways of sharing the gospel that I've used in the mission field. And I had one at home, but it's one of my daughter's favorite toys. And so we got her a keychain version of this for her backpack and picking her up from preschool, she had it out. And I said, oh, did you show that to a friend? She said, yes, I was sharing the story of Jesus Christ with this girl and that child and this friend and that friend. And so that was a very simple way that we kind of stumbled upon a resource that helped her share the gospel and really start sharing her faith even as a five-year-old. I actually don't know Cube, but I can imagine what it is because I'm actually wearing right now a bracelet that has a stripe of green, a stripe of white, and I wonder if it's the same sort of thing. We will put a link in the show notes to an Evangicube. Yes. Does it use colour? Is that how it works? It's like a, it's a square that has pictures on it and it folds and unfolds. It's kind of hard to describe, but it has the pictures of basically the gospel story. So from beginning to end of our brokenness and sin, and then how Christ died for us on the cross, but then and he rose again. So it takes through the whole story. So it's actually a great way to teach your children the story. As we discovered, it was a great way for her to share with her friends. So definitely check it out. What a lovely discovery, an accident, but God used it. Absolutely. <laughs> what would you say to people who say, I don't have any gifts to be able to serve the kingdom? Well, everyone absolutely has gifts. And I am probably with those listeners in the boat of feeling like, Lord, I don't know that I have the gift of evangelism, and I don't know that even even matters. And I think the enemy probably wants us to be discouraged in our own inabilities to do things and forget uh, what it says in Scripture, how God used common, uneducated, ordinary men who had been with Jesus to advance the kingdom of God. And so I think if we take heart that God uses ordinary people, and I still joke about that bus story, I'm like, if you don't have the courage to maybe start a conversation about spiritual things, which is certainly hard to start a conversation, you can carry around a book that has the word God and very large font on the cover and see if someone else wants to start the conversation. (laughs) But I think it goes back to um, we can always pray. And something I remember learning is just the importance of prayer walking in your neighborhood. So you don't necessarily have to say anything, but what if you once a month go out and start just praying around your neighborhood? Because maybe we think it always has to look a certain way and God has totally different plans for us. Like I wouldn't have planned the bus encounter myself. 
But I think prayer walking is probably a very simple way to get started in your workplace, in your neighborhood, and you can just do it very privately and see what God leads and see who God leads to you even to get started. That's great advice. Even in the workplace, people are very into getting their steps in. So you can very easily walk around your floor in your business. I guess lots of people are at home right now, but you could walk around in your home office praying for people you're about to interact with on Zoom or face to face and asking God for clear interactions and for ways to reveal God to them. Our time has nearly come to an end, Becca, which is hard to believe. I've really loved chatting to you. But before we go, I would love your wisdom for any Christian leaders who are listening today. If you could give them just one piece of advice to help them be not just good leaders, but great leaders in the name of God, what would that be? What's the absolute non-negotiable in leadership as a believer? In a word, it's abiding. It's abiding in Christ. And I think we could have a whole nother podcast to unpack what that looks like. But as leaders and as followers of Christ, I think the enemy wants to keep us busy and distracted and believing that we are independent from the vine. And I think Christ gives us the gift of dependence on him. And when we slow down, when we pause, I love what you just said about just pause before that call or meeting to just pray for that person or afterwards to pray for that person. That pausing to just, again, reconnect with the vine and to invite Christ into the situation, pausing to pray before that big work decision or before you sign off on that strategic plan, inviting God in in moments throughout the day to guide you. That is the wisdom. He is the source of wisdom. So we can't pray too much. You know, and I think we pray because we know who we pray to. So if we truly believe that the Lord has allowed us, that he hears our prayers and allows us to connect with him throughout the day, that he is the creator of all things and the author and perfecter of life, why wouldn't we pause to tap into that wisdom and to remember who we are connected to and to strengthen that connection with the vine? Yes. Drops mic, exit stage left. Thank you so much, Becca, for reminding us in so many different ways that we can continue to connect with Jesus through our day and that we all play a role as agents of reconciliation. I hope that all of our listeners today will take a moment to pause and ask God to lead them to somebody in their ordinary routine today that they can reveal God to. Becca, it's been such a pleasure to have you. Thank you. My pleasure. Pleasure being with you. You've been listening to God in the Ordinary with me, Sharon Tedford, and my guest, Mission Alignment Specialist, Becca Spradlin. You can find out more about Becca and her work at onmissionadvisors.com. For our show notes, go to 61-things.com. This podcast is a Wise Word Radio 61 Things co-production. We pray that you're encouraged to reveal God in your everyday.